Hello, this is uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to, uh, to uh, in- introduce uh, a podcast uh, about uh, Marvel. Uh, I lied. I'm not Jeff Goldblum. I'm Andrew. Uh, but if I, if I had you fooled, <laughs> congratulations. You fell for the oldest trick in the book, the old Goldblum trick. <laughs> They've been doing it since Bible days. Uh, welcome to Infinity Rewatch. Uh, who's this handsome man laughing alongside me? Oh, man, it's me, Ryan J. Whitehead, kicking it with Fantasia. And let me tell you, this movie, oh, my God, <laughs> so good. Uh, I mean, there's so many ways to start this. And I will say your Jeff Goldblum accent is is good. You got the right rhythm because he's a very jazzy guy. But your Stan Lee impression is infinitely better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Goldblum needs some practice. It definitely needs some practice. <laughs> This movie, though, I will say this movie is going to be awesome, guys. I'm very I hate saying I'm very excited to talk about it, but I am. I am super excited to talk about it. It is. Yeah, don't hate that fact. That's a nice fact. You should you should hug that fact. I know. But like when people like I'm so excited to do this, it just feels so corporate. And that, you know, after playing cyberpunk, I don't want to use corporate slang. I I see. I see what you mean. I, but I think I maybe it's just because I know you, but like I know that it's just one hundred percent sincerity coming out of your voice. Mm-hmm. Like I get what you mean though. Like when when some like corporate guy goes up during uh, a press conference to be like, "I am very excited to announce our next motion picture." Will be like, "You're not excited." <laughs> it doesn't feel exciting, but <laughs> but this movie. Okay, so this movie, uh, when the first trailer came out. Man, guns are blazing. First of all, at this point, classic Marvel formula. I would say Taika Taika Waititi is like a, a relatively um, cult success. Like only a small uh, small group of people know who this guy is. Like he's on the break of fame, um, and uh, he's on the break of fame, but no one really know knows who he was. Right. And he's getting he's getting director status for Thor. Now Thor at this point has only had moderate success compared to his other Avengers buddies. And it's it's gotten to a point where he sits back and he was like, you know what? Like after this movie, I'm done with Thor. Like I'm I'm ready to bow out. That's it. You know, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to leave. And then after, I think it was when production started and production videos started coming out, he was like, you know what? I could do a couple more. You know, I love Thor. This is going to be awesome. You guys are going to love this. And so the first trailer comes out and it wins me over in an instant. And I will I will leave it at this. I will leave it at this before I let you throw in some commentary here, Fantasia. And it, if you want to watch the most like the the reason why this is a movie you need to see it you need to watch kevin smith's review of the trailer because he gushes he's like this big dc guy and he gushes it and he's like okay he's like you know i love dc you know i do a lot of stuff with dc and it's funny because when marvel and dc are doing their thing you know they'll always try to one-up each other and at the time uh, you know, they announced that Josh Whedon would be, and probably still, yeah, I'm pretty sure he still is, working on, you know, this Batgirl movie or, or this whole Batgirl thing. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and and then uh, that announcement happens, and then Marvel decides to throw down the gauntlet 
and put down the trailer for Thor Ragnarok. And man, does it kill. The music, the tone, the attitude. Oh my God. They let the let out, the Zeppelin. Oh man. Woo. So good. I haven't watched that trailer in a dog's age, but I remember being so happy with it. And I mean, like this whole movie is just that classic sort of underdog story where it's like, Oh, you're this you're this new up and coming director from New Zealand, whatever. Okay, that's great. Well, here we'll give you our franchise that nobody really cares about anymore. Yeah, like they basically they made Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's like, okay, great, we have a wacky cosmic franchise in the MCU that can kind yeah. of take Thor's place because nobody was caring, and then Taika stepped in, and all of a sudden everybody's caring. And I mean, so many, so many things were done right here. Uh, before we get into it, I have uh, an interesting thing I want to share with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some trivia yeah. your way, Ryan. Hit me. Um, do you know offhand how many MCU movies there are right now? Offhand? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give myself 30 seconds to quickly figure this out. Uh... Give me a second. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say 23. That's exactly right. 23 uh, up to and including Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, So the MCU has been around since 2008, I think. That was when Iron Man came out. Yep. Uh, Now, Pixar. Okay. Pixar has been around since 1995. That's when they started making movies. That's when they hit us with Toy Story. Right. I want you to take a guess, Ryan. Who do you think has more movies under their belt, Pixar or the MCU? MCU. Is that your final answer? Oh, now you're making me second guess myself. Uh, Yes. All right. Well, to quote the final line of Thor Ragnarok itself, it's a tie. They oh, both what? have 23 films under their belts. If you count Soul, which just came out this Christmas. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Oh, my <laughs> God. And the fact that they caught up that fast, like, whew. Yeah. They, and, like, Pixar is not, you know, they don't rest on their laurels. Pixar mm. has been known to put out two movies a year sometimes. They did it this year. They did it a few years ago. Uh, yeah. So it's not like Pixar takes these huge gaps. They are constantly putting stuff out, but I guess Marvel just caught up by those last few years where there were three movies in a year. I think we had that a couple times with Marvel. So I think that really yeah. helped cement, you know, close that gap. But I just found that really interesting that that was the case. Yeah. You know, that is, that is really, that is really interesting. I will say, and I could, I wholeheartedly agree with you, man. Um, and it's crazy. It is absolutely nuts. Uh, but MCU again, I, you know, as someone asked me a long time ago, uh, you know, when I was interviewing for Microsoft and let me tell you guys, you, I, I wholeheartedly say like, go in there, just, just give it your all be yourself kind of thing. And when people say that, they're like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. But let me put it to you this way. When I went to my Microsoft interview, they asked me, they like, who do you look up to as a leader as in, a, in, in, in business? And, or no, not in business. They're like, who do you look up to as a leader role, like a leadership role? I hope you said and Captain I, America. That's exactly what I said. I legit said Captain America. Did you really? And I did. I absolutely <laughs> did. Wicked. And at the time, and this is like, picture like a Microsoft boardroom with uh, with the director of my program 
sitting in front of me with like another, I think it was another Microsoft person. And I'm just like, Captain America. And they're like, huh, it's not what I was thinking of. But uh, yeah, and I'm like, and they're like, why do you say that? And I'm like, because you know what? He stands up for ideas and he has a shield. And, and and always when he's a part of a team, when someone actually can provide an expertise, like provide their expertise on the subject or provide a solution, he will, if, if that's the best way to do it, he will full wholeheartedly um, support you and he will stand in front of you with a shield. And I was like, and in my head, I'm like, that is the best answer you're going to give him. So just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> but, but the reason why I say it is because if I were asked that question again, I would say Kevin Feige hands down because of what he has done with the MCU in such little time. If you think about cinema in general, if you study cinema and you look at, you look at all these people who have created masterpieces and all these studios that had like, that, you know, published these incredible movies you take a guy like Kevin Feige, who has been a part of some of the most culturally impactful movies uh, through our time. This guy comes out with some of the best movies that that has now made that has now brought comic books to the mainstream. Because before his time uh, at the MCU, I will tell you, it was not as mainstream as it is today. No, it wasn't. Uh, and it was uh, it was kind of a hot mess because nobody really knew what to do with anything. And that, that actually, that seeks really well into my first note. Uh, but before I get to that, I just want to say I love so much like the the way you gave that answer. And it's like, to me, you working at Microsoft, it feels like like a, a movie that we would have watched growing up or like this guy <laughs> who's like, who's just like, he was always full of heart and passion approaches a place that's like the most corporate place you could possibly go. And everybody's like, yeah. we like money and progress reports. And you're like, yeah, but what about Spider-Man? He's cool too. <laughs> and it's like, you slowly warm the heart of every executive. Like there, there's a movie in there somewhere. And oh, bless your heart. <laughs> bless oh. your heart. Microsoft, if you're listening, you, you've got gold on your hands with this oh. job. Well, and, and it's funny, too, because I have I have brought you to the to the office. So when you say it feels like a corporate place, it's, you know. Yeah, it's probably the most corporate place I've been to. And I like I, I think like I think nine out of ten people would go into that situation and come out a robot. And you're you're that one out of ten who's like, nah, man, I'm changing this place. It's not going to change me. Oh, bless. That is the, oh, that is a great way to start the year. The best thing, <laughs> um, at the time of this recording, by, by the way, guys, is January 1st, 2021. The year of our Lord, 2021, as we just Woo! replaced the year of our dark Lord, 2020. <laughs> um, so yeah, you mentioned how, how, uh, Marvel movies were a very different thing. Comic book mm -hmm. movies were a very different thing before Kevin Feige came around. And that, I mean, my first yeah. note, uh, really, reinforces that uh because we start off with thor talking to surter the big old devil man and i literally wrote here in my first note if this movie had been made in the early 2000s surter would have just been a dude with a red tie oh wow yes that is so true <laughs> um yeah i mean effects wise i effects wise i would say they really stepped up their game and you know, getting into the movie, uh, you know, first off, the trailer does a great job of using legit the first, like, the first eight minutes of the film, essentially, except for, like, the last part. Um, but uh, when the teaser came out, 
there really wasn't much to go on other than like the intro of the film and and what sets up the film and that's it like that's that's all they give you and yeah it's not much it's not much but yeah um i love the look of Surtur. uh he is it's probably the best adaptation and again like the he's not i i love how he is in the comic book world one of the biggest villains and yet in this movie he's not the biggest threat yeah he's just he's more like a like a throwaway like he's not even really a villain in the movie he's just there to kind of serve a plot purpose but it's not about we got to stop this guy um yeah. because i yeah. i think if it like you obviously you know more about surter's power level than i do but i think if that was the case where it was about we have to stop surter i don't think you could have done it without making it an avengers level threat yeah no exactly right and like they i mean they do a good job they they first of all taika taika did what we talked about in the uh in the holiday holiday podcast if you guys haven't watched that you should check it out there's a lot of really nice moments in there and there's a lot of really good talk in there um but what i wanted to point out about that is because um oh my god where was i going with this uh the the reason why i wanted to talk about it is because taika made thor sexy like he made and he did you don't have to do that with chris because chris is a very attractive man as thor everyone agrees but in terms of like giving thor a a imaginative colorful story that doesn't tie him down to earth it is so good it is so good and they let him off the chain like he in the first scene alone, he is flying through the air, using his hammer, using his powers. Oh my God. It's almost, it's like you said, you just said right now, let him off the chain. And it's, it's almost like Taika kind of winked at us and said like, I agree. Cause how does the movie start with him chained up in a cage? And like, it's yeah. literally like, yeah, this is how Thor has been for the last two movies. And like, not anymore. Boom. <laughs> Oh, I love it, and they use uh, the voice of Clancy Brown, which is one of uh, one of my favorite actors. He he does uh, Patrick Star in SpongeBob. For those of you who are not familiar with who he is, wait, he's um, the, he's Patrick in SpongeBob, really? Yeah, he's Patrick Star. Wow, I didn't know Clancy Brown. Played oh no, him. sorry, 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 Mr. Krabs, Mr. Krabs. Oh, okay, all right, that makes more yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was I was thinking about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, okay, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> So, so yeah, so um, this movie already kicks off with Surtur and that's huge already. Like we're already getting a lot of things about Thor that we've been severely lacking because most of the time uh, we're dealing with Loki, who's a great villain and can't wait to see what his show is going to be all about. But uh, we, we got the Destroyer, which is a very soulless character, all, you know, all pun intended, Mm-hmm. Um, and which is which isn't really a villain, and we got Laufey, but I feel like he was such a weird human character. Like he didn't he didn't feel like a very fantasy mystical character. He was just kind of a frozen looking human guy. And it didn't help that we really never got a sense of how big he was supposed to be either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we get we get Surter, and and right out of the gate, he's this very like within 30 seconds he's this he's this 
really just intense villain um, who's who's literally a force of nature. Uh, and he's talking about Ragnarok, which again, if you're a comic book fan, you know what that's all about. Um, but yeah, okay, so intro, crazy epic scene, sequence, uh, just super fun action kicks off. For me, I was already on the edge of my seat. When this movie came out, actually, this was kind of a really... Uh, a big moment in my uh, in my life because my, uh, my my brother was getting married and he moved to Victoria. But as a wedding present, I took him to BlizzCon oh. in San Diego. And at the same time BlizzCon was happening, Thor Ragnarok was being released that weekend. So we were set. We were like, oh my God, we're going to BlizzCon and we're going to see Thor. So the last time I got to see him was Ant-Man uh the premiere for ant-man and that was the that was the big movie we saw together and then now after so many movies later uh we i finally get to meet up again and go see ragnarok wow uh, that's a big gap that's a long time of not seeing each other yeah well i sorry not seeing each other for a marvel premiere like see it together yeah sorry i should phrase that again uh, but this was a this was a well timed thing, and it was just yeah, it was an epic opener. And what a way to get you jazzed! And I love, I actually wrote a note uh, in uh, during that sequence, the opening sequence. I love the transition. There's a beautiful transition um, and great use of the logo. So uh, Thor fights Surtur uh, in a hilarious way uh, and takes out his crown. Uh, and he thought it was his eyebrows, uh, <laughs> flies through the air and then gets Heimdall to, you know, teleport him back up. And the teleportation, as it hits the rainbow bridge, hits him, it transitions to the ground and the Thor Ragnarok uh, title kicks in. And it has that beautiful 80s synth feeling yeah. that we did here in the second trailer. But I loved it. I love the 80s synth feel it's it's such a the right tone for the movie and i just i actually put great transition to the title logo because it just fits in the flow of the movie there's something so even though synth is you know it's literally it's synthesized by its nature it is like a cold sort of emotionless robotic thing there's just something so warm and welcoming about the sound of 80 synth i guess because it just it only sounds like that you know nothing else sounds like it so once you hear it you're back in that world of like of of cheese which is essentially what it is uh but it's mm. it's such a great way to to kick off the movie uh i know i there, there's something i bring up i think i bring it up on every episode of infinity rewatch everybody who listens is probably like god when's andrew gonna shut up about this but i mean <laughs> this is if there's any movie where i really have to talk about it it's this one is that i love how the MCU is just so damn colorful. And we got this one-two punch now with Guardians Volume 2 and then Thor Ragnarok. I don't think I have seen more colors in my life than if you put these yes. two movies together. It like it is I, I can't even begin to describe. I'm a person who just loves things that are colorful looking. So the pleasure center of my brain these movies are just constantly massaging it. Like, yeah, you like that? Here's some pink. Here's some orange. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I cannot get enough. There's every frame, especially when, when, uh, when they get to the planet. Um, I think the planet's called Sakar. Uh, yeah, it's called Sakar, which I always get mixed yeah. up because 
the name of the guy from Guardians 2 who Stallone plays is Stuckar. So I always get those two mixed up. But Sakar right. is so vibrant. Uh, it's it's the most colorful thing I've ever seen uh, to the point where like the, the, the Grand Masters has guards who look like the Power Rangers and they never do or say anything. They're just in the background, but they're all like, it's, it boggles my mind. And I've told you this before, the poster for Ragnarok reminds me of a fruit roll-up. It's just like oh, yeah. a rectangle of every color ever. It's uh, it's it's so true, and and this is a, another perfect example of just like this is not a grounded movie by any stretch of the imagination. This is a very imaginative fantasy, colorful experience. Yeah, and not just any fantasy. I would argue the '80s synth thing kind of sets the right theme because this visual style that YTD went for. And you can see it right there, clear as day in the first trailer, is that of an 80s fantasy, which is a very different animal from like regular fantasy. It had a very sort of underground tinge to it. And you mm. it like it looks like 80s rock and roll album covers. It looks like, you know, something that Led Zeppelin or Meatloaf would have on their album covers. It looks like something you would see painted in, a, in an issue of Heavy Metal magazine or it looks like something that you would see on a poster by Frank Frazetta hanging in an 80s comic shop, like next to some Dungeons and Dragons stuff. That's what it looks like. Yes. Uh, it's the 80s fantasy that that has its own identity and it doesn't feel generic, which I think the little stuff we've gotten of Thor's world, the ice giants, the elves in, in uh, Dark World was very just sort of generic like colorless flavorless like yes he's got pointed ears i guess that's an elf cool he's got snow and he's big i guess he's a frost giant cool but there was no real identity to that and then all of a sudden you infuse it with this very strong identity that fits this theme you're going for and it's just every cog on this machine is turning in the right direction and that's where the movie gets to outshine its two predecessors I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, and I love how you say outshine its predecessors because I think the only thing that they got right in the last movies with Thor was Asgard. Like Asgard mm -hmm. is the only thing that really hasn't changed all that much. Uh, but you're absolutely right, man. It's, 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 it's just this, uh, it's just this colorful movie. And it's funny cause, cause Sakaar uh, is a junkyard. And yet it's more colorful than most planets, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, uh, moving forward with that, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And really just, we're already getting a different Thor experience and it's, it's just magical. It is just magical. And I'm a big fan of the eighties kind of tone, especially if you get those eighties graffiti movies that Fantasia and I talk about, mm -hmm. I love of that. But this movie was kind of the most modern version of that. And it's and it has to do with the sound, the look, the feel, uh, and so so we get the teleportation. Uh, so the tr title transition is amazing, and I love how uh, we kick off to Scourge, the Executioner, uh, and and uh, he says one of your favorite words, uh, which is "Behold, <laughs> my stuff." Uh, and he was talking about how Heimdall was an idiot. And he could have been like rich because of all the things he could just teleport to his, his little room there. But I love how he's trying to impress the ladies with, uh, <laughs> with all this junk. Uh, talks about the, the, the assault rifles calls Dez and Troy. Cause when you put them together, they destroy. 
Carl Urban is a treasure, man. That guy does not get enough credit. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. And and he's he's famously known for like um, modernizing characters. Uh, in in with uh, in Star Trek, he played Bones. Which oh, he was, was my favorite part of those Star Trek movies. I love his humor in that. And and I always wanted to ask him a question. And I remember when I went to his Q and A at Fan Expo, I wanted to ask him. Did he come up with those metaphors, or, <laughs> or did, or were they actually scripted? Because if he improv those, amazing. <laughs> um, did, yeah. So, anyways, uh, but he also modernized Dread, made an amazing uh, Judge Dread movie, uh, and yeah. So now we're getting the Executioner, uh, which is a new role, and uh, interesting take on the role for a guy who's actually usually doesn't say much or anything at all. He's actually quite a quiet character. Um, and his primary role is to serve the Enchantress. I was just going to ask you that, actually, because what I know of Executioner comes from Marvel Ultimate Alliance, uh, yes. which we talk about in our holiday special. So if you didn't listen to that, now's your chance. Oh, by the way, I think in the holiday special, I wanted to clarify, I accidentally referred to Linda Cardellini as Linda Fiorentino. Two different women. Sorry, Linda. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, always, uh, I always know... Executioner as like the big hulking henchman of Enchantress. So that was a question I had for you in one of my notes is like, was he, you know, is Hela and Enchantress the same person? And I'm just dumb. Like what's going on here? No. uh, So we'll get, we'll get into more details about Hela a little bit when she's introduced. Um, But I will say that in the comics, Executioner loves Enchantress, but, um, but Enchantress loves Thor. And it's this, it's this kind of executioner will do anything for her. And so she uses him to help capture Thor. <laughs> so they're basically like Burns and Smithers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, so, so yeah, so we get Scourge and it's, but it's a fun take. I, I think, I think Taika did a great job because um, he uses interesting comedy. Uh, he uses comedy in an interesting way to break tension uh, in this movie, and because there are some really deep topics, uh, but I love this whole comedy sequence. So Thor goes to see Odin because he's so confused as to why, where is Heimdall, uh, and why, why is the Nine Realms in utter chaos? This whole thing. So <laughs> we get this hilarious theatrical, the tragedy of Loki of Asgard. That's the the title of the play. <laughs> um, and it's hilarious. You got, first of all, you got Sam Neill, who's playing Odin, uh, which is awesome. It's good to see uh, Sam Neill from Jurassic Park uh, playing uh, playing Odin and being in a Marvel movie. So I guess this uh, is the first movie he's been in with Jeff Goldblum since Jurassic Park 1. I would say so, although they never shared a scene together. Yes, yeah. I would say I would say so for sure. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, I love they get, I think they get, um, I can't remember what his name is, but they get the youngest and least favorite Hemsworth brother. There's, uh, Chris, yes. there's Chris, there's Liam, and there's one more, and he's apparently the least favorite. Out he's of the, the one from Westworld. Uh, God, what's his yeah. name? Um, oh, I don't know. Who did you say already? Chris and Liam. Uh, yeah. So this one is Luke Hemsworth. Luke Hemsworth. Yeah. Yes, thank you. So Luke Hemsworth is playing Thor. By the way, he's better amazing. better than Liam. Better than Liam. Watch Westworld. <laughs> watch, sorry, Liam. But uh, watch Westworld. Luke is leagues ahead of Liam. 
<laughs> and uh and then um and then I love how Loki is played by Matt Damon. <laughs> Which is amazing. The reason why I bring up the scene, first of all, the comedic value is is hilarious, and that they make the Warriors three just pure jokes. Uh, but Matt Damon uh, mentions, "Sorry about transforming you into a frog." That actually happened in the comics. That was yes. a real event. So it was nice to point that out, and I love how we get to see Anthony Hopkins flex some huge comedic muscles here. And he's like, "Twas indeed hilarious, like <laughs> classic." <laughs> um, it was classic, and uh, and I love that Thor arrives and he's like, "Oh shoot!" He's like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. Do you do you know the the in joke of why it's Matt Damon playing Loki in the play? No, I, I don't. I don't understand the joke because uh, the the character Matt Damon played in Dogma was also named Loki. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh man, that's so true. <laughs> oh, that's good. That is that is rich. Well, well played. Well played, Taika. Well played. Oh, that's good. Um, I love that. Anyways, love that scene. Great comedic work. And this is awesome because we actually now get to see Thor kind of catch up with the audience. Because the audience knew uh, last we saw Loki, he took Odin's place in the uh, took Odin's place in Thor Dark World. Uh, and as far as Thor knew, that was the real Odin. So now uh, Thor's finally kind of caught up with us, and now we're yeah. kind of. But now we're catching up with the aftermath of what's happened. Right, because yeah, he's Thor's been scarce. Uh, the last time we saw him was Ultron, and like he didn't have much of a movie in Ultron. He was kind of in the background. So the it, it is you're right. It's a game of catch up for us and a game of catch up for him, and that mm -hmm. keeps it from being exhausting. I think because if it was only catch up for us, I think we'd feel like we were missing out or like oh god, there's so much to to catch up with here. But the fact that he's also behind us in a way, it, it makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely it does make it interesting so love that opening scene um and oh man that play is just hilarious i love the scream no and then the uh love the scream the the uh luke hemsworth being like no like, it's just <laughs> such a powerful scream um uh and so so okay now this is interesting so we get to see them go visit where they left Odin and it's supposed to be this retirement home. Uh, now, if you look at some of the deleted scenes, um, they actually do lose him, but the whole sequence takes place in the city. Everything takes place in the city. They actually, um, they try to find him in an outhouse and they try to find him or uh, one of those like port potties. And, um, they uh, they actually discover Hela in the city as well, um, which is why in the trailer you see her in the alleyway catch the hammer and break it. Oh, you know that's one thing that I've never explored yet is the uh, special features on any of the Marvel movies. I think I've just I've been spoiled by the Peter Jackson Middle Earth movies and by the Star Wars prequels where their special features were just so friggin' good uh, oh, yeah. that everything else just feels like so slender to me it's like hey here's a 
a featurette. Great. How long is it? A minute and four seconds. Wow. Okay. And that's like, that's like the, the big thing that the Blu-ray is advertising. Like, oh, check out this special featurette. So I really have to dive into the, the Marvel um, features and kind of forget how scant special features have become and just try to enjoy them for what they are. But you're right. I, Cause I remember promo pictures while this was being filmed and Odin was like a crazy guy on the street. Yep. He was a homeless guy. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had this whole homeless guy thing. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so they obviously something changed the direction flow and feel of that particular part. Um, and which, by the way, you should watch the deleted scenes because Taika does hilarious things throughout the entire thing. One of them, he goes on a monologue rant about making Thor and he's like, sorry, mom and dad, I, uh, I didn't get Star Wars. I, <laughs> I had to settle with Thor. And he talks about like, he just like, he's just making fun of his parents being that like, you know, I hope you're proud of me. I may have not gotten to direct Star Wars, which now he is, but he's directing Thor um and then he you'll see him like wearing loki helmet and stuff and then he talks about how he came up with um his character uh, <laughs> gorg <laughs> uh which is pretty fantastic by the way but yeah so anyways a lot of fun definitely should watch it so i love this scene in thor ragnarok we did get to see it in the end credit sequence but we get the introduction of dr strange that scene we get the whole play out of the whole thing which is just amazing. It is so good. So he gets uh, just before Loki falls through the portal, these girls come up to him and like, Hey, can we get a picture with you? Fun fact, the girl, the girl there is actually Chris Hemsworth, his sister. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and the one who says, can we get a photo with you? And sorry, James dumped you. Uh, which again, I love it. Again, we don't need to know too much. All we need to know is like, and they, they give you everything you need. It's like, okay, clearly Jane dumped him. That's all you need to know because this is not part of the story. This is all you need to know is that they're no longer together and Thor is on his own doing his own thing. Yes. Um, and I love that because again, you don't want to, you don't want to explain too much unless you want to deep dive into it. Right. Unless you, unless it's a really relevant part of the story. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, I don't think anybody was like, "Where's Jane?" <laughs> we we were good. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's safe to say at this point, you know, Jane hasn't really won any, and it's not Natalie Portman's fault. It is. It is. Yeah, no, I'm not the, blaming her. <laughs> yeah, I love you, Natalie. You do great work. It is not your fault. It is the production's fault. And why they they shoehorned you into the story, I have no idea. But they just felt the need to take you away from being a nurse into being some sort of astrophysicist. Don't get it. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so I love it. Loki goes through the port, the the, the sling ring portal, and he. Gets oh, by the way, I found a, an Easter egg during that scene. Ooh, so, you. So Doctor Strange uh, slings open a portal and, and takes Loki, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're standing on a New York street when that happens. And behind Doctor Strange, a taxi cab passes by. And there's a mm -hmm. sign, like, you know, on top of taxis now, they have those signs that have, like, advertisements on them. There was a sign for something called Synchrony Bank. Uh, and the fact, I just found that interesting because the fact that Doctor Strange is in this movie at all is synchronization between all the marvel characters oh. now i never looked it up i don't know if synchrony bank is real 
Uh, but if it is, that's a massive coincidence. That actually, that is a massive coincidence. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I totally didn't pick up on that. But again, you never know what's an actual Easter egg or a clue or whatever it is. It's something. But I love this scene. So Thor goes to the Sanctum Sectorum and he does the knock and he goes through. And I, what I love about this, this is what I was talking about in uh, in the holiday special we recorded with Doctor Strange. This is why I'm excited for the next Doctor Strange movie. Because now Doctor Strange is like well into being Doctor Strange. We got his origin movie. He's he's obviously he's obviously practiced a lot. He's he's really he's really become a master um, to a point where the manipulation of time is different for him. Where as you see, Thor's knocking and he doesn't even walk into it. It's he's immediately teleported to the the library where all the the artifacts are. Yeah. And then as he turns, he moves into a whole different room, which means at this point, Doctor Strange just has a totally different understanding of time and and also how the multiverse works and everything. Like he's just so in sync that he doesn't the, the mundane things doesn't matter to him. He's very like, let's get to the point, let's keep moving, right? Like there's there's no time to waste if you will but i love it it's so brilliant and i don't even know if it's used as a comedic thing or an, or an actual demonstration of how far he's come as the the sorcerer supreme i like to think it's both i think that the um the the whole stigma with superhero movies is that we're all tired of the origin story and as much as i loved doctor strange the first movie it was very much an origin story uh, so I think what they were trying to do is, A, let's have some laughs with this character who we can have some laughs with, but mm -hmm. B, use take that opportunity to show the audience like, hey, next time you get a strange movie, like he's he's not training anymore. He's not discovering his powers. Like this guy is already, before we even get movie two, he is already a master of his domain. And as we mm -hmm. see what he does in Infinity War, like he is just, he's a powerhouse yeah like he becomes instantly one of the one of the most powerful characters pretty quickly and and some of these characters are pretty well established and he jumped up the ladder fairly quickly uh <laughs> to a point where i'd say like you got you got cap you got uh you got cap iron man thor hulk Doctor Strange, like right next, like the next yeah. person in terms of power would be Doctor Strange. We always talk um, about how how cool it is whenever we see, and the MCU does it so well, when we see heroes fighting heroes. Yes. Uh, and I want to see a hero fight Doctor Strange because we haven't seen that yet. Like, I want to know, like, could Thor kick his ass? Or is this like, would that fight be over before it starts? Like, I want to see Strange get into some of those, you know, hero on hero fights. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I, I can't wait to see how that's going to play out because, again, the 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 magic he pulls against Thanos is pretty spectacular. Like, he, he pulls out some uh, massive cards for sure. So I love this scene. It's, it's a small scene, but, again, characters intersecting is awesome. Now, when Taika said he was doing this movie, he mentioned that he wanted it to feel like planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, um, beautiful. Yeah, that, that, that was his goal in terms of storytelling so uh hello uh so yeah so loved it uh and i love that scene and it's a great way to establish how far a character is, has come and to a point where i can't wait to see 
a bit more explanation into Doctor Strange's understanding of time and 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 the measurement of time. And in uh, Uwatu says it best in the what if trailer and i i don't even want to try to quote it right now because i'm not going to remember it but go watch that trailer and he <laughs> mentions how he how we how we should be perceiving time uh and and multiple things so i can't wait to see how dr strange is going to play out with that and i actually think that his story is going to tie into what if because there's a part of the trailer where dr strange is facing himself Ooh. uh so something something is happening with dr strange's story and it's it's massive, and it's I think it it just starts with Thor. It just kicks off with Thor, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds from there. Um, anyways, great scene, fun. I love how Loki was falling for thirty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to kick off to Odin, and I love the Odin scene where he talks about you know, and and it, it, we kind of get that better sense of Thor's story, which is learning how to be a ruler even though he doesn't want to be one anymore at this point he wants to he still wants to be the student now now that he truly understands how odin sees things um he's yeah he kind of just is just trying to be a good person which is thor's story that has been thor's story since the beginning the golden age of comics is is he has to learn humility and that's an ongoing experience throughout the entire journey and even though he knows humility now, now he is he has enough of it to stop and mm-hmm. be like, "Can I be king?" You know, my, yeah. like I, all I wanted was to be king, but I had to learn humility, and now I have humility, and I'm looking at myself. I'm like, "Huh, I don't feel like king material right now." Like I don't know, if, and and that's why this whole Odin scene works so well. And I'm glad mm-hmm. Loki's part of it too, because uh, they I, both of those guys they needed to talk to their dad. Um, and I even love the way Odin is dressed. It's so like the simple beige colors, like he's not in like yeah. outstanding glamorous uh, 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 Asgard clothing. Even, and I love his eye patch. He's got that beige eye patch. It's so simple. Uh, but this yeah. is th- this is a scene we have needed since, uh, I would argue, since Thor 1. Yeah, I would argue the same as well. I think that, I think that in this particular case... Um, this is this is this is i think thor's story did lose i it did lose itself in the sense of it tried to explain what thor is to the audience uh whereas again we don't care because we we as comic book fans we just we want to see what what thor's role is we don't care how he exists in the the marvel universe we we know he's a god i like that i like that humanity may question if he's a god uh, like, I love how they keep saying, oh, you know, you go to Earth and throw a little lightning, they'll think you're a god. But I love that they're doubtful. They're doubtful of that. That's a great story, but you don't need to explain that to me. Just let let those conversations go where they may. But the story here is, is like Thor was seeking out war, which is bad. That is that is a really bad person. Yeah. And and yes, he's this very powerful person, but that's but he wasn't given a weapon for war. He was given a weapon that will help defend himself. But it also he, Odin says it itself. It's, it's, um, it, it can cause great destruction, but it's also a tool to build. And, yeah. and it's true. And, and, and that's Thor's story. And you're right. Like this, this moment that we see in, uh, in Norway is something that Thor should have got in like, the first one and, and or we should have got a sample of it in the first one a little bit more detail yeah and i think this is 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time since the beginning of Thor 1 when they're in the vault and he's showing them their, his collection. I think it's the first time since then that we've had Thor, Odin, and Loki together in one scene. Yeah, it's just, a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful scene. And uh, and then we get the introduction of Hela. And also, we see uh, we see Thor finally do the slam into the ground uh, with the umbrella, which normally is a cane, <laughs> slams into the ground, and we finally get to see him transform into Thor, which is really cool to see. Oh, I loved that so much. I forgot... That like I, I was so in the moment that I forgot he's not in his Thor clothes, you know? So I'm just like, when I see that happen, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He's just walking around with an umbrella. And then boof, the cape comes on, the the, the uh chest plate comes on. That's it's such an underrated little moment. Like they don't even make a big deal of it. They don't focus on it, they don't yeah. you know, change the music. It's just like they, okay, I'm Thor again. They they don't try to explain why yeah. he can do that. Um he just does. Uh but yeah, so Odin Odin perishes because of his exile. Um and he's been so far away from his chamber to get the Odin sleep that uh he uh he ends up fading away. Uh and I love that we get to see kind of Thor build up that rage. In the storm and then hella comes out now hella is an interesting character because in the trailer a lot of people had a lot of questions because hella is supposed to be loki's daughter oh wow yeah 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 she's the uh, she is the mistress of niflheim uh and aren't uh, we all though a little bit aren't we all the mistress of niflheim mm-hmm. when push comes to shove and her greatest ambition is to annex Odin's paradise, Valhalla, where Asgard's great heroes and noble warriors dwell after death. Uh, and she, so she, yes, she is the goddess of death. That is what she does. And yes, she can create essentially weapons from thin air. Um, but uh, but yes, she is normally Loki Loki's daughter. But I kind of like this adaptation. I think that it makes sense that she's a another sibling that odin didn't really talk about because odin used to be like thor headstrong and seeking out war and now he's like you know what that was that was not a cool thing to do no and he's very zeus like in that way where it's like zeus was just a dirty dirty boy going around Mm -hmm. and like impregnating everything with a pulse so it makes sense like there's no way odin would have one child there's no way that's not gonna happen so i like the fact that you know now it's like they have to clean up their father's mess like he by the nature of being the head god in a patriarchal pantheon like this he's going to to have children who probably don't think very highly of him uh despite what disney might have told you you know zeus and hercules were not on the best terms and for good reason it was kind of a dick um so the idea of like uh, of um odin having these other children who could pop up and present trouble like that's gold right there that is pure gold like it never feels there was never a moment where i'm like oh how come they never mentioned this until three movies in like it makes total sense from a, a mythological standpoint yeah it made it made total sense uh and it's it's so so crafty um and again i think this is marvel's first female villain oh i think you're right man holy crap yeah yeah marvel's 
first female villain in the MCU. And I mean, if you're going to have your first MCU female villain, you can't get a better piece of talent in front of the camera than Kate Blanchett. Like that woman is a true, I'm going to clap right now because Kate Blanchett is, she deserves this and every, every bit of it. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's elegant. She can take any line of dialogue and take you to whatever heights the director and storyteller desire. She is, she can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and she did no wrong here. I really hope this isn't the last we see of her. I, know. Uh, I, I really do because there's so many creative things you can do with it. Um, but yeah. Uh, and not only that is she the first female villain, but what I love about how they introduce this villain if you want to demonstrate how powerful a villain is, you take Thor's best weapon and you destroy it in the first part of the movie. Hell you yeah. literally smash it into pieces. Uh, with And I love it. Like he literally throws the hammer and she catches it with her hand and just blows it up. And what's great and, too is like, we have seen other characters lift the hammer or attempt to lift the hammer. But yeah. I love what they do because when she holds the hammer, she does what nobody else does. She holds it from its head. She holds yes. it in a twisted, upside down, wrong way because she is the goddess of death. She's a twisted, upside down, wrong individual. And that mm-hmm. just goes to show like, not only can she wield this power, but she is going to wield it incorrectly. And that's going to be a danger. Yeah, exactly. And then and then Thor's like, Thor recognizing that she is a threat. He like tries to get her head on. Loki's like, nope, we need to bail. Rainbow Bridge out, and I love how Hela just gets in to get in on that uh, teleportation train, and so we finally get um, Loki and Thor sent off to uh, to Sakar, uh, but uh, also Hela just cleaning house. That's she spends the whole movie cleaning up Thor as a villain, <laughs> which is brilliant in my opinion. Um, she arrives in Asgard, takes out the Warriors three in the blink of an eye. Yeah, like, man, that was that... so fast. Like I, I almost had to stop and be like, "Oh my!" Like, are they okay? Because it's like, yeah. they, it's done so fast. It's done so incredibly fast. And but like, don't get me wrong, I love the Warriors three, and I, I, I really hope that we would see more of them in a fun way because now that Taika has the reins, it would, it would, I think it would be really cool to see. Uh, but at the same time, like, I, like hell is just like, they're not important. Boom. Gone. Like, um, <laughs> and so, uh, Falstag and, uh, Thandral drop. Um, and I, th- I think Lady Sif take gets taken out as well. She um, was nowhere to be found in this. Oh, that's but, right. Yes. Yeah. She was nowhere to be found. Mark. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Uh, but yeah, no, she's nowhere to be found, but yeah, but, um, uh, Thandral, and Falstag drop right out of the gate. Um, and then we get Scourge just being like, I'm just a janitor. And like, just gets out of it. Uh, and then, yeah, so we get to um, we get to Sakaar now. We kind of find out what happens to Thor. Now, before I, we move into Sakaar, I had a Marvel question for you, right? Yes. So during that sword fight on, on Asgard where she's she's cleaning house and she she fights the Warriors 3, there's a moment where I think it's, uh, I don't remember who does it to her, but Hela gets stabbed like directly with a sword yeah. uh, and she's, she's fine. Uh, so my question was exactly what can kill an Asgardian and what can't? 
The only thing that can kill an Asgardian that is a that is God status. Okay, we're talking mm. like we're talking like has to be part of the Odin family or like like God status uh, is the God Butcher, and that is that is confirmed to be played by Christian Bale. Okay, so when like. She can easily kill the Warriors Three. That's because they are, even though they're Asgardians, they're not gods. Exactly. Okay. All right. That makes a lot mm. more sense because I'm like she's she's dispatching them so quickly, and then she's getting stabbed and she's fine. And I'm like, okay, what's what am I missing here? So it's just it's the god status that uh, has the final say on whether you get your ass killed or not. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yes, I, I think I think the Warriors Three there are kind of god like they're kind of half gods like they're like hercules okay yeah um so yes they can they can be killed depending on depending on who's killing them Uh, i think if they go to like midgard i don't think midgard is powerful enough to take them out but if they were to go to somewhere else then there's definitely the possibility was thor Uh, ever in danger of getting snapped Thor was definitely in danger uh, because when he was sent to Earth, he was stripped of his power. Uh, and that's why he had to learn humility was let's not make you a god. And now you have to learn what it's like to be mortal and vulnerable. Because by being vulnerable, you learn to be, you learn to, you learn to be, uh, you learn to demonstrate humility by being vulnerable um and 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 through that experience so every time he would slam his cane in the comics he would become thor and thus become the god and then he would revert back to donald blake which was he would be immortal uh, so the snap could could have killed them then technically yes all right hmm. all right so uh so uh so we get thor uh so yeah so um now we kind of you know, Hela just totally reigns, totally wipes out Asgard, like, military in seconds in this crazy uh, fight scene. Uh, but what's what's amazing is, is that you obviously see her gain more power and her uniform becomes... You can see it visually that she becomes more powerful and uh, wipes out. And I love the line is like... Uh, She's like, I am Hela, you know, the first son of Odin and all this stuff. And then Tyr, Tyr's like... Whoever you are, <laughs> go down. Like, and she's like, "Whoever I am, did you not hear a word I just said?" <laughs> I love that. I love that line. Uh, and she just takes them all out. But what I love is uh, she goes through the treasure room, and I love how she clears up everything. Like she takes the gauntlet. She's like, "Fake," mm. you know, just like a villain that cleans up a story is is the most fascinating thing to see it is really fun uh and so but i want to get to sakar because um sakar the whole sakar story is just fun it is so fun um and uh and i love the introduction of valkyrie who's a who's a uh, bounty hunter essentially and um scrapper one four two if you will Mm-hmm. Scrapper one. Now, I, I told you before in a previous episode, Ryan, that uh, I think Haley Atwell is the most beautiful woman in the MCU. Uh, she's yes. she's my number one crush. Uh, a very close second is Miss Tessa Thompson. Uh, oh my god, dear yeah. lord, that girl is just insanely, insanely hot. Uh, <laughs> Tessa, <laughs> call me, please. And and you know, Tessa did a great job Westworld, by the way. Um, yes. 
Uh, but yeah, so we get we get her in in an awesome. I love her outfit because again, it's very similar to Thor's. Uh, instead of red cape, it's blue, and like she, but she has kind of the same kind of leather armor. Um, and I love the look. I love her. I love her tone and attitude. It's it's just phenomenal. <laughs> and so she takes uh, takes Thor to the Grandmaster, and I love the scene where he's in the chair going through the tunnel, <laughs> and they play pure um, imagination. Yeah. <laughs> they, they play Willy Wonka at the Chocolate Factory's uh Imagination song. Um and I love the screaming, the Thor scream. He's just like, ah and then like <laughs> rise up. Great scene. Anyways, Jeff Goldblum is the grandmaster. Um uh t- you take a character from the comics, again, another kind of just dry, very I'm a villain because I'm a villain character. Um and you just give him such flair. Like this guy is just really charming. Like he's so charming just to watch. And I love that he like he's jazzy all the time. He's always making music. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, the communication that Tessa Tessa does uh, to uh, to the Grandmaster uh, to the Grandmaster's communication team, they're they're speaking via music. Oh, I didn't notice this. Yeah, they're like oh, like. I'm just going to make an example, but they're like, okay. Like they're like, they, they speak in tones and, and rhythms, uh, which is really interesting. Wow. Uh, and then we also see uh, on the way over to, um, on the way over to uh, the Grandmaster's Palace, we see uh, the statue heads uh, of his past champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is, uh, is obviously Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Uh, and the other is the uh the god Ares, the Olympic the Olympian god. Ooh, he was the villain in Wonder Woman. Crossover. Cross well, I of course in Marvel there are Olympians. Uh Hercules. Yeah. Hercules has actually got an interesting story in Marvel. Um, yeah, he's buddies with Thor, isn't he? Yeah, they they're uh, they're quite cozy, and they always have a friendly uh, bout every once in a while to prove who's the strongest, and it it it, go, it bounces back and forth. Well, there's probably uh, a lot of mead at that bout. <laughs> sit around having some some turkey drumsticks and some mead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I I thought those two were very interesting, um, Beta Rebel and Ares, um, and then uh, so. I love the introduction of Grandmaster. Some of the burns he does. I love that his, his cousin comes in and he's like, I pardon you from <laughs> life. And then literally, he literally burns him, <laughs> which I thought is hilarious. Uh, and and the comedic value between Loki and Thor throughout the whole Sakaar sequence is gold. It is just dynamite. <laughs> it's so funny. I love everything about the Grandmaster. I love his costume. I love that big orange stick that he kills people with. Yeah. I love that his he has guards. Who, like I said, they look like a cross between the Power Rangers and the guards from Flash Gordon. A lot of Flash Gordon yeah. vibes in his palace just with the technicolor-ness of it all. Uh, I love his, his, uh, his security head there, that Lady Topaz. Uh, who yeah. we, just, we just heard her play a voice in Soul. She was the voice of Terry in Soul. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's uh, she's a lot of fun. Just everything about the Grandmaster, and like like you said, how they took this villain who's just like I'm a villain, and they they 
infuse him with so much character. I find that that is something that uh, that's the biggest sort of improvement that needed to be made on comic books is because I find comic book villains, they never had any room to give them any kind of personality. Yes, sometimes they have great backstories like Dr. Doom and Magneto have great backstories and great motivations. Yes. Mm-hmm. But personalities, I couldn't tell you a thing about what Magneto's personality is like. Uh, and like, I, like, for example, I feel like I could walk up to Hella or I could walk up to the Grandmaster and I could ask them, what's your favorite food? And I would get an answer from these characters, <laughs> these characters specifically yeah. as they are in this movie. Whereas I feel like if this was a comic book and I'd be like, what's your favorite food, Hella? She'd be like, I have no time for food. I must take over Asgard. Like, you know, they're just robotic in like, I have to do this because I'm the bad guy. Uh, and that's a very sort of old fashioned way of of portraying a villain. And for some reason, it stuck around for a long time. Uh, you even saw it with Disney villains. Like a lot of them, I would argue, like up until Jafar, didn't really have any personality to them. They were just like, I'm the villain. Uh, and then slowly we start to see that shift. And the MCU has been really good with that. Like aside from, I mean, what's his face from Thor The Dark World? Uh, mm-hmm. I think we've had villains who they've got that glimmer of humanity in them. And I'm not talking about being sympathetic. I'm talking about being human. I'm talking about being, does that guy have, does Caecilius have a favorite food? Probably. <laughs> I think I think he would tell me what it was if I asked nicely. And he might even enjoy you know, saying, oh, there's a good place on 14th Street that makes a really good version of my favorite food. Like that's that's a kind of depth to villains that's hard to achieve and hard to describe. I don't think I'm even doing a great job describing it, but Ragnarok did it. They did. They Whatever that nail is shaped like, it's an odd nail, but they found the head and they hit it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, they, they just, I, I think Taika, Taika, Taika is another example of a, of a director who, who I honestly, I don't believe he, he actually stated out loud that he was a comic book fan. Like he just, he just was like, I'm going to make this movie. And there are so many comic book moments, like fun fact, uh, actually when Hela falls off the ship, uh, and then her hand and she gets up and then her hand goes through a creature. That's actually a bilge knife. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, uh, and then, uh, so that, so there are so many nods um, to uh, to the whole, like even even uh, Carlo is an actual character reference to a comic book fan. Carlo, which one's Carlo? That's his cousin that gets melted. Oh wow! Yeah, in the in the Planet Cult story, there was a character named Carlo. So are we to assume that Grandmaster has like another, like a real name that's like vaguely Italian, like Carlos? <laughs> yeah. His name's like Luigi or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's crazy. But um, yeah, no, it's it's like, there's a lot of hints there. Topaz, like um, they're all, they're all like, there's so many layers of, of love here. Uh, but I lo- you're absolutely right with like, you know, like you really get a sense of these characters feel and just like so much depth, like right out of the gate. And there's not, they don't even need that much time to set up, but all these little layers, like I love how, you know, Grandmaster is like snapping his fingers and like, mm-hmm. has like his, his uh, tapping his feet. And as, as if like, that's how he thinks he's thinking in jazz, like he's just putting chaos together. 
in this planet made of junk you know like he's just he's making he's making he's making music he's making art with everything he does with everything he's presented right um but uh so i love oh my god yeah i just i can gush over this whole thing but yeah the whole contest of champion story sequences is epic uh and so uh i love korg and meek which is again characters from planet hulk um uh, you know, Corgan, which we have seen in Dark World, uh, the rock people. I, oh, I love that's his, right, yeah. I love his joke about rock paper, uh, the rock paper scissors joke, because if you actually think about the layers of of humor on that, uh, he says, he Korg mentions, um, he's like, uh, don't worry about Meek uh, unless, you're, uh, unless you're made of paper, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously rock beat scissors uh but what's funny is cork talks about he wanted to start a revolution but he didn't have enough papers to hand out so oh wow (laughs) there's so many good layers to this so uh, all right so he's getting prepped to be thor gets prepped in the whole gladiator match uh which again as someone who loves 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 gladiator kind of battles um epic epic way to do it did you read uh, planet hulk i i have not only read it i have seen the animated movie which is fantastic as well very oh. well done is grandmaster in that or did they add this to the for the movie? no they added this for the movie uh but plan uh the grandmaster had a contest of champions which he would mind control heroes to beat each other up oh wow uh, but no uh planet hulk was a uh, just a world that was run by a very tyrant tyrant ruler so yeah so what happened is is that this ruler is like oh you know no one can beat me i'm the best and uh and so thus planet uh sorry hulk crashes on the ship because uh the marvel's illuminati get together and realize that the best solution for the hulk um the best solution for the Hulk is to just send him to another world where he can right. just be the Hulk. Sweep um, him under the rug. Yep, sweep him under the rug. So, so Mr. Fantastic, Xavier, Iron Man, uh, and Doctor Strange all get together and build a ship uh, to send Hulk off planet. And it sucks because they actually have a video where they're like, they talk to Banner and they're like, they're, the, the video is talking to Banner. Uh, and he's they're like, Banner, this is the best way for the world to survive like they're literally telling him that like you in order for the world to be better you have to take the hulk somewhere else and i love that marvel decided how like it would be so powerful and they're right if it's banner himself who makes that decision beautiful yeah. beautiful exactly. way to end age of ultron mm-hmm. with his arc there ah gorgeous gorgeous so um yeah i love the whole sequence and then of course Thor prepping for the uh, for the battle. Uh, we get Korg talking about um, the weapons, how you clean the weapons. And he talks, do you want to use the staff that he offers? And he's like, yeah, it's not really useful unless you have three vampires huddled together, <laughs> uh, which is a reference to his, uh, which is a reference to his, uh, one of his projects, which is uh, what we do in the shadows, which mm-hmm. is the movie about vampires living together. Uh, and so the battle is amazing um the we've seen actually uh in planet hulk it's beta ray bill fights the hulk oh, wow. uh, but but there's also the silver surfer does fight the hulk as well so Whoa! Yeah. who wins that fight 
I believe the silver surfer, silver server, yeah, the silver surfer through the skin of his teeth. Like, mm. like he, he. I think it's one of those things where the match ends, but like he, he uses his wit to get out of it. But because uh, you can't, you can't fight the Hulk physically, man. It's just, it's just bad. I can take him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, in fact, one of the statues' heads is called the uh, the Bi Beast, and the Bi Beast is an enemy of the Hulk, and he's got two heads. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen the toy of Bi Beast. Yeah, he's oh. he's he's a guy that steps up uh, to Hulk toe to toe. Oh, and sorry, correction on Carlo. Carlo, it was he's he's in the comics, but he's he's one of the artists of the comic Planet Hulk. Oh, his okay. Name, his name is Carlo Paglian, so I apologize on that. I jumped the gun there, um, but yeah, sorry. I was I was reading something. And I was like, oh yeah, he's in the comic, and I was like, oh yeah. And then anyway, um, so the but the the battle the battle of Hulk, and it's funny because Loki says uh, that the Grandmaster Champion is astonishingly savage, and the Incredible Hulk uh, also had a comic book run called Savage Hulk. Oh. Yes. Uh, and so the battle is, is a lot of fun. And again, um, I love that. Uh, I love the, the setup emotionally because they're setting the stakes between Thor and Loki where Thor has grown so much. And just when you think Loki has come a long way, he hasn't. Yeah. And that, that whole scene, the whole dialogue between the two of them proves that he is he doesn't change. He just doesn't get it. And Thor's trying to trying to show him the better way, um, and uh, and Loki just not getting it, and it's it's a great scene, and and it's awesome because again, it's old Thor would have craved for like this gladiatorial battle, but the new Thor is like he has to do it. He's he's so like okay, I have to do this. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. So he's like resisting this fight, um, and uh, so. We discover that uh, that um, that Scrapper One Four Two is actually a Valkyrie, so we finally discover that she is a Valkyrie, which is really cool. Uh, and um, in the scene where Grandmaster introduces the Hulk, uh, in the background actually is a huge comic book reference, uh, which a lot of people thought they were teasing the coming of the Fantastic Four. Oh no way! yes way um and so uh the story um uh the story uh is where the story is about how the fantastic four uh go to an alien world where they encounter a killer kree sentry uh, so they have to build this massive device to stop him and the the device is what you see in the background oh okay that's neat uh, I'm sure, I'm like I can imagine Sakaar is full of so many Easter eggs because uh, it's I would argue it's the most cosmic we've gotten even more than Guardians because Guardians spends a lot of time especially Guardians two spends a lot of time either on a ship or on Ego's planet so mm-hmm. this really got like a deep dive for us into parts of the cosmic corners we haven't seen yet um, and then as Thor is prepping. For his fight, uh, of course, Stan Lee comes around and decides to cut his hair. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm uh, awed by how good of a barber Stan Lee is because he not only cuts his hair but he gels his hair, puts some product in it. Yeah. And it looks really good. It is uh, the best Thor's hair I think has ever looked. 
Um, so Stan Lee, you got a future in barbershop college if uh, comics don't pan out for you. <laughs> now, I'm sure, I'm sure he's continuing his, uh, his haircutting skills in the great beyond. Oh, for sure. He's like, hey, Einstein, I can cut your hair for you if you want. Don't touch my hair, Stan. I don't want you to. Um, so what do you think would have happened if you sat down and watched Thor Ragnarok and you're with Nick, which makes it even better. And yep. you guys sit down and watch this. What do you think would have happened had nobody in the world known we were going to get Hulk in this movie? Oh, my God. Oh, man. I This is one of those, definitely one of those things where, um, are you saying, like, if Hulk wasn't in the movie, who would he, who would he have fought? No, I'm saying it's exactly the same movie, but we had no idea going into it that oh. we were getting Hulk. I think the payoff would have been massive because again, this is one of those things where I think Marvel kind of spoils too much in the trailers um, mm-hmm. because th- this was a big one. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of like the last we saw of uh, Hulk in age of Ultron, he does take a ship and the ship flies off radar. So you kind of get the prep that planet Hulk is going to happen. And it would have been kind of, you would have kind of seen it coming regardless um, but I still think that the shock value would have been just existential, man. Like it would have been like, oh my god, and just see Hulk come out screaming with the gladiator armor. Oh yeah, it, it's a beautiful. Like I, I'm still to this day, I'm one of those people who, even though I really liked Batman v Superman, I was like, I always say, like if they had just kept Wonder Woman out of that trailer, we would have had a totally different experience seeing her for the first time stepping mm-hmm. up like they showed us her intro shot in the trailer that's a, a, insane to think that they would spoil something like that um so i when i when i look mm-hmm. at the ragnarok trailer and how it was like yeah hulk's here my only line of reasoning was this isn't an avengers movie or a spider-man movie or a captain america movie where they almost don't even need to sell it because it's going to do so well this is a mm-hmm. four movie and at this point, the Thor movies were not selling well. You needed something to make people's heads turn and be like, oh, the Thor movie. Because up until this point, it's like, okay, who's he going to fight now? We had a bland giant. We had a bland elf. What's next? A bland leprechaun? Okay, whatever. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he hasn't, he hasn't really had really memorable characters. But you're right. Like, who are they going to put him against? Exactly. So I think that's that's what ended up happening was they had to they had to draw the eye they they had to draw the eye back to thor in a positive way and i think the best way to do that is to sort of really commit to this whole message that phase three is all about which i love so much this message of like we are all like every movie now is not just a thor movie or an iron man movie or whatever it's a marvel movie period and you never know who is going to pop up it's a box of marvel chocolates and that idea of like, yeah, it's going to be Thor on this wacky world. And yeah, Hulk's there. <laughs> that's it. That That's the, the key ingredient to take this from being a crumb cake to a delicious cherry cheesecake. Oh, yeah. Or, or in my case, a lovely chocolate cake with Ooh. lots of cho- chocolate icing. Um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And this is and this is but this is one of the charms of Marvel characters is that they don't get along. Um, and it does happen in DC. Uh, they, I, I think DC approaches how heroes 
don't get along in a very democratic way. In Marvel, they're very like they will they will literally throw down, like they will just go to all ends to just beat each other up, and it's it's awesome. Um, like Thing and Thing and Hulk fight often. Hulk and Thor fight fight a lot. Um, the Avengers fight the Fantastic Four. Like it Wolverine happens. fights everybody. I'm pretty sure Wolverine would yeah. fight like his own mother if it came down to it. And Wolverine beats up Cyclops all the time. Like it's so good. Um, so yeah, no, it, it happens a lot. It happens. Uh, it happens definitely a lot there. Uh, so, um, I yeah. So I, I love the gladiatorial the gladiatorial battle, and it feels good. It's a it's a fight that feels good like when you see thor get decked which i love the humor uh because apparently uh, a make a wish uh, foundation kid was at the set for the gladiatorial scene um uh the that that line where he says he's a friend from work that was the suggestion from the kid oh yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like we know each other he's a friend from work it's it's a hilarious little improv line because great line about- kid that's a really good uh, line of dialogue yeah, it uh, definitely seems to have your talent for writing uh, <laughs> and humor for sure. Uh, and so, yeah, and then the the overall fight though, you really feel the hits. Like uh, Thor when he goes flying into the wall, like you you feel it. And Ooh. the hits the hits he does with the uh, with the hammer into the leg, and <laughs> I love that he's like, "Don't worry, Banner, I'll get you out." Just like decks him with the hammer. It's it's a real throwdown, and it feels really good. Um, especially because it's mostly a CG fight uh, with 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 Chris Hemsworth selling this performance. Um, I also love though that he tries the the sun's getting real low, yeah, <laughs> and then the camera cuts to him just smiling and trying to like feel his hand. Oh, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> but what I love is like as he's just getting a beat down. Uh, you see this kind of cut to uh, Odin with these war drums uh, and he summons the lightning and just knocks him out. It's so cool. Uh, and then you see him just, you see Thor unleashed, which again, Dr. Strange gets that justice. Now Thor gets that justice of being just yeah. truly unleashed in power and that uppercut he delivers. You hear the crackle of thunder uh, in the air and they all start cheering thunder uh and um i love it it's it they they start to worship him as a god which i think is pretty neat and i Uh, think it's our first time i think seeing thor unleashed um like this and it it becomes a pattern Uh, we see it again in infinity war and then in endgame but this is our first time sort of getting that isn't it like where he's just like i'm the god of thunder and this is it this is me Mm. at my full strength and that's and it's beautiful. It's again, Thor is not being grounded. He's being just unleashed, and we're just seeing him throw out his power, which is really cool. Um, and so the the fight scene's amazing. Um, and I love that uh, you know <laughs> the the humor between him and Hulk afterwards. There's a really powerful relationship they develop uh, that they realize that they're these you know these hotheads, if you will, and and that. Uh, uh, you know, Thor starts to see that that you know the the error in his ways again. Like he's he's learning humility. It's a it's a great storytelling that Taika has done with this, and I love that uh, the Hulk in a hot tub. That's so funny. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Thor breaks out. I love that he um, 
I love that he gets to the the Quinjet, uh, and uh, and we get to see Banner come back, and now we're getting more of that relationship. Um, and I love that Valkyrie. We get Valkyrie and Loki, and uh, I love the trade off martial art they do. Uh, but this is I bring the scene up because what I love about this scene specifically is we get to see how Hela was imprisoned um, and uh, and how like how Hela got to where she is today. Uh, but what I love about this scene in particular is, first of all, she is called Scrapper 142, which in Hulk issue 142, they introduced the Valkyrie. Beautiful. Uh, Brun Brunhild is the original Valkyrie name, in which we see the original Valkyrie in the sequence, uh, in the memory sequence of of Valkyrie, because Valkyrie is a generational character, and anyone who's a part of the Valkyrie is quote unquote a Valkyrie. Uh, so specifically Brunhild, which is what people are familiar with with like in within the comic. Um, you actually get to see uh, what the original Valkyrie would look like in the MCU before she is killed, which, again, this is a prime example of passing of the torch. And I love it. I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that dream sequence, it, it looked like a, a Zack Snyder movie. Everything was moving in slow motion and there was nothing but yep. smoke behind the characters. Um, but it's, yeah, you're right. We got to see the... Uh, original OG Valkyrie, and then uh, it transitions well into this new one. It's uh, another great little tip of the cap to Marvel Legacy, which yes. uh, is very important. And I mean, generational characters are all over Phase Four. If you like generational characters, Phase Four is going to be for you. Phase Four is basically like take every character you've ever met, and now here's a teenage girl version of them. <laughs> like uh, that but, is so true. <laughs> But the, the Valkyrie thing is is a really cool little piece of um, Nordic history because uh, the the whole idea of the Valkyrie is they fly over the battlefield and if they see a soldier who is dead or dying they take their soul to Valhalla uh, and they're uh, such they become such a big part of pop culture that over the years we have been exposed to the Valkyries without probably even realizing it like there's the famous song I can't remember who composed it i think it's wagner i think it's mm -hmm. wagner composed the song flight of the valkyries which is the one that goes and that has become this big sort of thing and it's from an opera i believe and every time you s i don't remember the name of the opera but you know there's that famous cliche of like in opera there's like this very obese woman wearing a helmet with wings on it singing opera Yep. That that is Brunhild. That is the Valkyrie. It's oh. from it's from an opera about Valkyries. Uh, so the the Nordic pantheon of Asgard has really been a mainstay in culture. Even when Bugs Bunny does opera, he's dressed. He's got Elmer Fudd dressed as as Brunhild. So this is our our sort of first time seeing that character. I think as she's meant to be seen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know give or take the way marvel decides she's represented but like the the fact that we got that version of her and now we get this even in my opinion even cooler tessa thompson ver version of her it's mm -hmm. like it's it's almost like we've finally hit that point of seeing this character who has been part of pop culture for 
like uh, almost over a hundred years and we've never really gotten to know her. She's just kind of there in the background. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's true. She's been in the background, but again, we know we're going to get a new Valkyrie in the MCU and, Mm -hmm. and the story is just so well developed already is like, it's like, Hey, for you old Marvel fans, I know this is the Valkyrie you're familiar with, but get ready because we're going to modernize her in today's world. And, and yeah, oh, it's just oh, such a beautiful moment. And she's going to look like Tessa Thompson. And I am like, uh, yes, please. Oh, yeah, no, it's oh, so good. Um, so, yeah, so we get the breakout uh, with with Thor and Hulk and Valkyrie. Uh, and I love that she's already caught Loki. Uh, pretty quickly on, uh, pretty quickly. And then Thor throws a can at him and all that stuff. Uh, actually, so the whole breakout scene is a lot of fun. I don't want to deep dive into it too much, uh, because there is a lot to unpack detail by detail, but, uh, it's not too important. Uh, what I will say is important is this, again, Thor's continuing narrative here where he starts to realize how Loki can be a good ruler. And that, and what I've noticed is Thor is so reluctant of being a ruler himself. He starts to realize, like, hey, if you want to be this, this is how you should do it, and mm-hmm. and starts to mentor Loki a little bit, and um, and so uh, during the breakout, which is pretty fun, uh, and also Thor mentions the Revengers. Fun fact: there was a team for a short period of time called the Revengers. Were they all bad guys? No, they were they were good guys, but there was a cancerous magic that was going at, going through the air, and uh, Thor and a few other people were left alive, and they were trying to stop this <laughs> this event. So they were called the Revengers. The Revengers, I like I like that a yeah. lot. Uh, I think at yeah. this point in the story, we also get what I think is my favorite quote of the whole movie, uh, and it's from Banner, where he says. I don't want to fight your sister. That sounds like a family issue. <laughs> Honestly, the way uh, the way Mark Ruffalo talks just reminds me of you so much. <laughs> it just like I just I his mannerisms and the way he the way he talks just reminds me of you. But yeah, I love that. He's like, well, he's like, I just told you that like you know the next time I transform, this could be the last time you see me, and now you want me to. <laughs> you don't even care. You don't care, and he's like, you know like you don't like me he's like you're my favorite <laughs> like i love that relationship it is it is a fun relationship we get to see I, again we get to see the marvel heroes in their downtime they're not always like on if you will yeah. um and, and i love that he's like you're just using me and he's like how many phds is a hall cap zero how many phds is better have seven like <laughs> all these ridiculous things um yeah, but I, I love it. And he, I love that he, he goes, yeah, Tony and the Gypsy. And he's wearing like the uh, the Tony outfit, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love I love when he's talking about Valkyrie. He's like, who is this warrior woman? Is that the thing on her face? How many people she's killed? I mean, <laughs> like, she's great. I, I love that they like, they're kind of like drinking buddies. And then she's then, like, do you, I know you? I feel like I know you. And it's like the whole running joke that the, the mild manner version. Um, so they they need to find a ship to get through the big portal uh, known as the devil's anus, <laughs> which is again, hilarious. Uh, and so they find a ship. Uh, and then, and as you can see, this Thor defeats the big, technically the biggest villain 
or one of the big villains, which is Loki, throughout the entire trilogy, he defeats him by growing and changing, which is a nice mm-hmm. theme of the story. And he mentions that Loki is still stuck in the same patterns and he doesn't learn, uh, which is pretty good. And so they break out, they go back to uh, the world. And again, as as these events are happening, the Heimdall story is really well done. I love how Heimdall just goes rogue and how do you get a guy who can literally see everything coming? Yeah, uh, I forgot that that Heimdall story existed and then when i was watching this again i loved that it would keep cutting to him and you know he's got his own thing going and it's it's a genuinely like touching story because it's like i don't want to see all those asgardians get hurt like he's, he's trying to protect them all and i just i was so pleasantly surprised by the heimdall thing even though i'd already seen the movie i was like oh yeah i'm glad he's kicking mm-hmm. around and uh it's my first time watching it since infinity war so it's uh you know, knowing where Heimdall ends up, it's a bittersweet kind of moment. I'm going to miss yeah. the big guy. Yeah, it is a bittersweet moment, but it's 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 fun that his story, his again, his story is important. And, and thus, yeah, again, he actually gets a pretty good justice in this movie in terms of action. Um, besides the the first movie where he takes out the, the Frost Giants, which is pretty neat. Um, but uh, yeah, I like this kind of renegade Heimdall storyline. Uh, and then, so Thor coming back, taking on uh taking on uh uh hella uh so first of all valkyrie and oh actually fun fact on the ship while they're heading there uh there's a deleted scene where <laughs> i have to just say this because it's hilarious is where jeff goldblum is the grandmaster because you see in the ship as they're escaping it's the it's my birthday uh, it's his orgy ship yeah it's his orgy ship there's a video uh, while they're trying to fly over to Asgard. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a deleted scene where Banner's going through the, the hollow videos in his in his center part of the ship, uh, and one of them while they're talking about their plan to take back uh, Asgard is like uh, is like he's having like the tentacles feel him up, and he's just like <laughs> just like. He's being felt up by tentacles. He's just like, ooh, ah, oh. <laughs> ooh, ah, ah, that uh, little, little lower. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, it's it's really good. Anyway, so the battle, the battle of Asgard. Got to talk about the scene. Lots going on here. So we have the Revengers in action. Uh, so Hulk and Valkyrie take on the wolf. And, uh, and we see Valkyrie and get her armor from Thor. Um, nice little, I feel like there's a romantic tension there, right when, uh, they get back on the ship together, there's a moment and she's, and she says, don't die. Um, I was feeling, yeah, I was feeling some of those too, but I think, didn't they announce that Valkyrie is gay? Isn't that like a a sure thing? Uh, see, that's the thing. I don't know. They didn't, I thought, I thought she has, I think she's I think it's bisexual, if I'm not mistaken. But oh, okay. She said she she's looking for a queen. Yes, they that she she said she is looking for a queen. So maybe she's done with the men. But I don't know. I, you could be right. I could be wrong. I could be right. You could be wrong. Who knows? Um, but yes, I did. I don't know the way that story was playing though. It did feel like there was a bit of romantic tension um, at the end there. And she's like, uh, "Don't die." And then she replies with, "You know what I mean." So. I don't know. I, I, I really feel I had to point that out. I really feel like they, they kind of hinted at romantic tension uh, in that, that little spot there. 
Um, and then I love how he goes, don't worry about it. Uh, Banner goes, don't you want to know who I really am? I got this. And then he totally suicide swan dives into the bridge and nothing really happens. Fun fact, though, he is wearing a Duran Duran shirt and the album, uh, the album's big single was Hungry Like the Wolf. Oh, my God. See, that's a level of detail that like I appreciate so much. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that that swan dive is a great moment too. And I'm just like, oh, did is Banner dead? Like that's not a safe fall. Uh, and then Thor goes off to the throne room, and he's like, "Hola, let's fight!" And they they fight, uh, and then he gets he gets an eye taken out in this fight, Ryan. Now, yes, I, I think from what I know of the Thor comics, which is about enough to fill a teaspoon, maybe is th- I think Thor was blinded in the comics and that was a big deal. Yes. Uh, uh, there is, there is a story sequence where he wears an eye patch like Odin. Okay. Yeah. So that um, the, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say he didn't get blinded by Hela in the comics, that it was a totally different way. Yeah. I don't remember how it went down. Um, I think, I, no, I think he, I think he actually took out his own eye because he needed to see, it, it allowed him to see things differently, like magic wise. I can't remember oh, wow. how it went down. Um, but yeah, it, you're you're right in the sense that that was an event that did happen, and he actually looks pretty boss when he loses his eye. Um, it's, see, that's that, that's where I, I'm queasy with like pain stuff, and my eyes mm-hmm. is the most the the, the worst area. So mm-hmm. like in in the Saw movies, when I guess to that point in Saw Two, where the guy has to take out his own eye, I'm like, that's where I would be dead. Like that. <laughs> I can't, nobody go near my eyes, including me. Like, just don't yeah. touch them. They're not there to be touched or trifled with. Yep. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Actually, funny funny you say that because they do foreshadow it earlier in the movie when Hela talks about the, the past um, and she sees the, the ruins of the ceiling uh, on the ground. There's actually a crack through Thor's eye, the one that he loses. Ooh! So nice element of foreshadowing there by Taika, uh, which I really appreciate. There's some um, great foreshadowing later too that I'll bring up that I thought was really cool. Oh yes! So I love uh, the fight with Hela. It's a lot of fun. The awakening of Thor's powers. Uh, it's a great hero moment that I think a lot of superhero movies. When they have them, they're they're either done, they're either make or break. Like there's there's never one where it's like, eh, that's that's good, could have been better. It's no, it's <laughs> either like it's either such a pivotal moment and it's such a heartwarming experience, or it just doesn't work and it's very disingenuine. Um, but yeah, I love that he's like, Are you Thor, the god of hammers? And it's true, like yeah. the hammer, the hammer was a way to channel his power. And the whole idea is he's actually called like the god of thunder. So we we get that beautiful sequence. The fight scene for that was just pure magic. Oh, so much fun to watch. Um, and so uh, the ship comes in. Uh, Loki is like, your savior is here. Like, I love that. <laughs> Loki gets his moment and he gets to be a ruler of people and all that. Um, and that fight scene is pretty fun with uh, Korg and Meek because Korg ends up stepping on Meek. So hammers or rock feet scissors. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, so good. Hey man, uh, I'm Korg. Hey man, I'm Korg. Do you want to get on this giant spaceship? Thank you. Uh, want to join my revolution? 
<laughs> it's so good. The whole the whole fight scene's amazing. Uh and and I love the prophecy. They get uh, they cause Ragnarok and they get Surtur to come out. And like I said before at the beginning of the the podcast is that um is that essentially like what I love about it is like the beginning sets up the end and they foreshadow the whole thing, which is fantastic. Yeah, and they even bookend it with the same use of the immigrant song. Uh, it's <laughs> and then uh, so then we get this beautiful moment where Scourge, or rather the executioner, uh, is uh, he has his change of heart uh, and he's about to run away, but then he doesn't run away. And I think anybody who uh, who is like us who studied acting, uh, particularly who studied uh, Chekhov, Anton Chekhov, the great playwright, uh, they would have known that executioner was going to help save the day because according, do you remember Chekhov's rule, Ryan? One of Chekhov's rules of storytelling. Oh God. Oh, I can't believe you're throwing this in. Here. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> he says that um, in order uh, for a story to, to work uh, when you set things up, it has to have a payoff. And the example he gives is if you have a play where somewhere on stage, there is a gun that gun has to go off by the end of the play. Otherwise you, uh... you, you did something wrong. So as soon as we see Des and Troy, any self-respecting Chekhov fan would be like, okay, he's going to use those guns. And the fact that he gets on that ship and is about to run away and be a coward. And he, we haven't seen him use Des and Troy yet. Mm-hmm. There's never a moment of doubt where, cause it's like, we know, okay, Des and Troy are going to come back in the picture. He's going to have uh... a change of heart. And that's exactly that's so what it is. Brilliant! Oh my god! Because I no, it's true. Because in Chekhov, in in the one story, um, the guy tries to kill himself, but he, he ends up missing with the gun because he talks <laughs> about the gun and he tries to. He ends up trying to shoot himself and then he misses and he's like, I can't even kill myself, right? <laughs> I love that. I can't remember what the play was called. Um, Trotsky? Trotsky? Ah, uh, I don't remember either. It's not. I'm so um... sorry, I'm butchering that. It's not Uncle Vanya, is it? Was no, that Chekhov? No, no, no. It's a Trubatsky or whatever. I can't. I can't remember how to pronounce it, but I'm telling you, that's the play, and it's Chekhov wrote it. And, if and, you're and, from the theater community and you know the answer to what we're struggling to grasp, please yeah. send us an email uh, at Ryan Whitehead and uh, address all your complaints to him. Yes, exactly. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes, you're totally right. Yes, great call out. I totally blown away by that reference. Um, but I love it. I love that fight scene. Fantastic. Great way to set up and conclude the movie. Um, so much fun. And yeah, they get on the spaceship and they were going to, uh, they did mention refueling. I think they mentioned something about refueling on Xandar, which we know is a good reference mm-hmm. there. Uh, but yeah, they're going to head to earth. Um, and uh, yeah, I love that Loki also hesitates when he sees the Tesseract. Uh, so yeah. we get that little nod in there as well when he goes to the treasure room. Um, and in that and treasure it, room, they stored Surtur's crown really close to the Eternal Flame. And I'm like, that is not the best of ideas. Uh, Who's doing that? You can, never, you can never trust prison guards sometimes, you know, <laughs> when it comes to those kind of prisons. Um, so yeah, so it's incredible, incredible experience overall. This movie's amazing. Uh, they do not miss a minute. 
Uh, and Taika just blew everyone's mind with probably the coolest way to approach Thor in an 80s sci-fi fantasy experience uh, that just is unrivaled. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do with Love and Thunder. It's going to be so good. Uh, the, I'm sure the first trailer will be as 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 uh, record breaking as the uh, the the first one. So let me ask you something about Love and Thunder because I, I had yeah. I had all the questions once this was over. So I was trying to remind myself. I'm like, okay, when it comes to Love and Thunder, who is confirmed to be in it? And I have here, okay, we got Thor. We know mm-hmm. Jane Foster is coming back. We know Lady Sif is coming back, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Valkyrie is back. Thank you. Hi, Tessa. Um, we're, yeah. we're getting Gore the God Butcher as the villain. Yep. And also, uh, apparently, Star-Lord and Groot um, yes. are making appearances. Uh, but no matter where I've looked, I couldn't find any word on Odin, Loki, Hulk, or the Warriors 3. Are they all just for sure dead? Or the rest of the Guardians? Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, like, do you know if Loki and Odin are supposed to be in this movie? Well, uh, Odin is dead. So he's dead, but it's like, he dies every movie. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know what to believe, but every time Odin, it's like, Oh, is it Thursday? Odin must be dying. Like, <laughs> the only one you missed, I would say Odin. We're not sure for sure. There's no confirmation on Odin and there's no confirmation on Loki. And that is correct to say, because we may see a cameo of Loki, but remember, Loki's got his own show and his story is going to be very different because as far Loki, as far as Loki is concerned, we know what happens to him later on. So, um, so yeah, we're, I'm pretty sure Loki's not going to be in Thor uh, Love and Thunder. However, uh, the only one you missed is Lady Sif is confirmed to be in it. Lady Sif is confirmed. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have her. Yeah, Lady Sif. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah, it's it's good to have her back. Um, and then I was also wondering, like, okay, so for for Love and Thunder, where do you think it will it be set? Is it going to be all on Earth or all on the cosmos like this? And do you think it'll have its own song the way that Ragnarok used the immigrant song as like its its oh, flagship? Yeah. Song? Oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's got a song lined up. I don't know if it's going to be another Led Zeppelin song. Um, you think Thunderstruck, or is that too on the nose? might be too on the nose i mean i don't know because the the thing about the thing about the uh the led zeppelin song is it actually references thor in the song oh wow i didn't know that yeah um he's, uh there's a there's a section of the song where he says hammer of the gods oh uh, so yes uh so yeah there is a reference there um so yeah i don't know who's gonna be in love and thunder uh there's a lot to unpack with that movie i mean christian bale was rumored to be silver surfer but now that he's the god butcher there's a really good comic that actually is a passing of the torch where jane foster becomes the new thor um so uh i'm curious how taika is going to redeem uh with the with the track record that star wars and marvel has had with making characters better uh, I'm pretty sure Taika is going to redeem Natalie Portman in the best of ways. Uh, but I think what happens is uh, in the comic with uh, Gore, the God Butcher, uh, Thor has kind of run his time because gods, like Odin said, gods, they live, they, they're born, they live, they die. 
Um, so Thor kind of it reaches his age uh, to proceed to Valhalla. And, um, and so the God Butcher comes to face him, to, to kill him. And, uh, and Jane Foster in that story has had, does have as um, diagnosed with cancer. And so she's like trying to find the meaning or she's like fully understanding of the meaning of life. And Thor, who is literally fighting for the meaning of life and like fighting to live, um, I think he's. I think it's one of those situations where he's close to losing and realizes that the next person to be Thor is Jane, and then Jane takes the hammer and becomes the new Thor. Beautiful, and I'm I'm still so happy that we're getting a fourth movie that they're not stopping with a trilogy. I, I hope Love and Thunder is eight and a half hours long. Uh, I can't wait for it. Uh, honestly, I honestly, I think I think that Thor. It's one of those situations where it's like, you know what, we didn't quite get him right, so let's give let's give him, you know, two movies. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we might get a third, but I'd be very happy if they leave it with Love and Thunder. Yeah, depending on how they end it, I'm down with that. But if they announce a Thor five in the future, I'll be the first one on my feet cheering. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Man. They don't need to do like a full trilogy. I think they that yeah. they just need to get to the character to a good spot and say like, okay, hey, this is done. Exactly. Do yeah. Trilogies are a suggestion, not a rule. Yeah. Uh, so we get our post-credit scenes here. And the first post-credit scene is the one where I told you there was some interesting foreshadowing. Yes. Because uh, we got Thor and Loki. They're just, they're chilling out. They're talking. And then they spot uh, Thanos's ship. Um, yeah. Now, did you notice what they were wearing, Ryan? They were wearing, uh, they were wearing their, uh, like Thor's wearing his outfit, isn't he? Yeah, they're both wearing their outfits, but they're wearing all black versions of their outfits, both of them. Uh, kind of an interesting foreshadowing of all the death that is going to be coming their way very, very soon, thanks to Mr. Ooh. T. Hanos. Um, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, they're usually, especially Thor is usually in some bright colors. So seeing him in all black and Loki in all black was very spooky, mm -hmm. especially now we know where they're going to end up. Well, uh, it's, it's funny because uh, it's funny you say that, too, because not only that is Thor's story is kind of complete at this point because he has his coronation and he becomes the ruler of Asgard. That's right. Yeah, he's finally the king. It's like in aladdin and the king of thieves where it's the third movie and he finally marries jasmine uh, uh, it took you long enough dude you gotta lock <laughs> that down uh so who are we let me open up my uh marvel cinematic oh. character encyclopedia oh god all right so i know we've got the executioner was yep. introduced in this movie uh good boy from the comics there we go and of course hella yeah lovely lovely hella where are you, H? There's H. We got mm -hmm. Hela, and we got Valkyrie, um, and she has a name, right? Her name's not Valkyrie. Uh, she does have a name. Um, I don't know it off. I don't know right now. We'll get back to Valkyrie there, but she's obviously not Brun Brunhild. Yeah, she's not Brunhild, so I'll just call her Valkyrie for now. And I guess the Grand Master definitely counts. Uh, love that guy. Uh, the Grand Master. Welcome aboard, uh, uh, Grand uh, Master of, of 
It's a car. Um, who else am I missing, Ryan? Who else? Topaz. We... Topaz is a Topaz. Uh, is a Marvel character. Uh, and Surter. Meek is a Marvel character. Sir is a Marvel character. Korg is a Marvel character. Ooh, okay. So let's see here. Korg is with a K, I believe. Mm. And that is K-O-R-G. Is that how you spell Korg? Uh, K-O-R-G-G. Ooh, G-G. I like that. Mm. Throw, in, throw in an extra G. Why not? And then what's the other guy's name? Meek? Meek. Uh, M-I-E-K. Oh, I like that. I like that spelling. M-I-E-K beautiful and i think that's everybody i think we you know it's the third chapter we're not meeting too many new characters but we've got a nice chunk of them uh very very cool um when this is all over i'm gonna try to do a count of how many marvel characters the mcu has given us and it's gonna be dope (laughs) um all right who died hella died uh pretty sure she's she's gone Mm-hmm. I'm um, pretty sure Odin's gone, dude. I'm I'm pretty sure he's dead. I I think you're right. I just I don't trust the person who dies that many times, but I think you're right. I think mm-hmm. Odin is gone forever. So long, Odin, and so long, Hela. Uh, oh, and the Warriors three. Oh, damn. That's that makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, what are their names here? I want to make sure I get the Warriors three right. So there was Volstag. Uh, and who were the other two? Uh, Volstag and then Thandral. Thandral. And then uh, and Tyr. T-Y-R. Tyr. All right. Wow. Warriors 3. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, now that that's done, Ryan, you know what time it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It is 4.57 p.m. That's all we just wanted to remind yeah, No, it's it's time that. to find out how many stones we're giving it in a gauntlet and the whole nine yards. Yeah, so we give it a ranking from zero stones to six stones. And if we like it a whole bunch, we give it an infinity gauntlet. Yep. So how are you feeling, Ryan J. Whitehead? Give me a gauntlet. <laughs> a gauntlet. He's literally throwing down the gauntlet. Yeah, uh, give me a gauntlet, and I'll tell you why. Because the revitalization of Thor, the introduction of Doctor Strange uh, in that movie, which was fantastic to see him in, in full Doctor Strange year, including the yellow gloves, which is awesome. Um, and uh, the Valkyrie story was amazing. Uh, the movie had a pacing to it that was just never got boring, never got dry. The humor was amazing, um, and the uh, the superhero buddy story was also great. It's nice to see more than one character in a story uh, that helped drive the narrative forward. So, give me a gauntlet. Wow. I like uh, that. Also, also, personal note is that I got to see this premiere with my brother. And I mean, of all the movies to see with your brother, I think this is one of the perfect ones. It's so attuned to the corner of Marvel that he loves. Mm-hmm. So... You guys must, and I'm glad you guys got to see the Dark World together too for that whole collector oh. thing. <laughs> like I, oh god, I wish I was there with you, um, yeah. recording that moment. Uh, so my my ranking is six point five Infinity Stones. You just you should just round up, man. I, I should, but there's a there's a reason I was a little shy to round up, and I think it's because I love everything about this movie. I just I feel like. 
all the best Marvel movies have all of this plus some really heartfelt emotional moments that drive the story forward. And I feel like the emotional moments in Thor Ragnarok are its weakest points. I think that they are there. They get the story where it needs to be, but they are very quick and they don't hit you to the core. I think in the way that I want it to be hit to the core, especially because this is sort of Thor's biggest moment, you know, Mm. the, the biggest story, not just for Thor too, but for Asgard and for Loki and everything. Uh, and I felt like that emotional resonance was was just missing somehow, even though I was never having a bad time during any microsecond of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, so that's why I think it, it's just falls short of a gauntlet because of that, because I think that is a very important feature. And and um, to to not have it is it doesn't make the movie bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely a big missing piece. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's fair. I, I don't I don't know if I actually wholeheartedly agree with you there, but I I definitely think Thor, in terms of emotional moments, I definitely think this one is outshined by its its Avenger sequel because Thor has an incredible story in the uh, Infinity War. He does, and in Endgame, and in Endgame, and it's it's powerful. It's it's powerful stuff. Like you, oh man, the scene he has with the rocket. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. The the Thor story is fantastic. Um, I think that uh, he he really gets to shine in Endgame and Infinity War. Uh, and I think the emotional stuff is in this movie, and it's there. It's there where it needs to be. It's just it's missing a certain resonance that makes it. Mm. Uh, it, it you know, it's missing that that connection that human connection um but it's by i'm by no means knocking this movie like i love it to pieces oh yeah no i have i have to give it a gauntlet for for what it does for thor like and how it sets up thor's world if you were a norse god what would you be the god of (sighs) (laughs) I, I, i can see you being the god of like of of like games and frivolity like the god of pleasures <laughs> yeah and i think like the the greek version would be dionysus D- dionysus yeah dionysus he loved his orgies he did uh but he, he loved games and theater and drinking uh, <laughs> um which i don't do a lot of drinking but i will say that i do i do enjoy games and theater so uh uh yeah no i don't know man um yeah, I, I'd say that's that's a good answer. I would like to be Thor. I would like to be the God of Thunder, but uh, just be loud and, and powerful. But uh, <laughs> yeah, for you, sir, what would you be? I think, oh, is is there is there a God who's just like in charge of keeping the lore of Asgard and like who walks around the vault and is like, did you know that this piece was acquired by Odin? <laughs> is there a God who does that? Who just like knows what everything is and where it comes from? Cause I think I'd want to be that dude. I think there is actually, I think there's a keeper of like, uh, of historical history and all that. Historical Sterling. history. <laughs> Historicles. That'll be my yeah. God, man. Either that or yeah. testicles. Testicles. Testicles for the win. Oh boy. Well, you know what's next, right? On the next Infinity Rewatch, it's a big one. Black Panther. And this is the one, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to this one because this is the one that Fantasia and I reunited and watched together. 
That's right. And the, the episode's going to be pretty, it, it's literally just going to be two hours of us screaming Wakanda forever over and over. <laughs> um, and really, I don't think anybody would complain if we did that. I think everybody would agree with us. Yes, Wakanda forever mm-hmm. indeed. Um, and it's going to be emotional because Chadwick is gone. Um, yes. So I'm sure we're going to have some feels when we watch the film and when we talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, we're going to talk about Black Panther's introduction, but we're also going to talk about, uh, one thing I definitely want to talk about is where Black Panther is going to go from here. Uh, Yeah. uh, Because there's a lot of big questions. Uh, And yes, and I I have a very strong understanding of where they're going to go. Um, uh, it's, It's very unfortunate what happened to Chadwick. Um, but man, the impact that man left with with Black Panther is oh man, just so good. Oh, that that discussion of where the franchise is going to go, that's going to be like th- that. That'll probably be half our episode because I feel like there's so much to go into about that. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. Um, now you don't live in Wakanda, so where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you and complain about? <laughs> Well, if you want to, if you want to come see me, uh, now we've been in this kind of lull with the holidays, but uh, you can find uh, my work on uh, Twitter at uh, at Crusader Online, and then you can also find my work on uh, Twitch, which is twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. Find me on there. Very nice. And you're not on Instagram anymore, correct? Or are you? I am. I am. You can find my personal life on Instagram. <laughs> ah, gotcha, gotcha. You can find me. You can find my personal life on Instagram at Ryan J Whitehead. Um, but yeah, it's it's more just fun cooking videos, and every once in a while I'll throw up uh, the podcast, this lovely podcast that I do with Fantasia. But I also throw it up on on Twitter and stuff as well. But yes, you can find me on Instagram as well at Ryan J Whitehead. But that's it. That's if you just want to enjoy everything I do, whether it be uh, you know cooking or. Oh, he does great cooking videos, people. And I mean, if you're one of those people who hasn't bought a next-gen console and you're like, hmm, which one should I get? You want to hear some great things about why you should get the Xbox? You talk to Ryan J. Whitehead. And he will he will sell you that Xbox. He'll make it like a silk, smooth transition for you to be like, yeah, I'm getting this console right now. Uh, <laughs> and you can find me on the Twits. No, that's a lie. You can find me on the Twits, but I don't really, I hate Twitter. So you can find me there, but I won't be doing anything. I'll just be sitting in a corner poking at berries. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Andrew Fantasia. You can find me on my YouTube channel, which is also called Andrew Fantasia. And then right here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network, you can find me there sometimes talking about Star Wars because I love it to death. And but like I'm, uh, I collect all those big oversized art books, right? You know, the ones, the art of Star Wars. They're like those big hardcover uh, concept art books. Like I've been collecting them for all the Star Wars movies. And yeah, I love those. Yeah, they're great. They also make them for Marvel movies and for Pixar movies. And I've never bought any of those, but Ragnarok was the first one where I'm like, I really want to see the art of Ragnarok because oh, hell yeah. To imagine what they did would be stupendous. Uh, but that's where you can find me. Um and uh yeah that's uh that's all for today. We'll see you in March for the Black Panther episode it's it's gonna be a a big deal um i'm I'm excited to talk about that but in the meantime i hope you all have a marvelous day